This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so we have a couple of announcements before we start tonight. Membership to Arnava. Um, it's still $75 for the next three days, and it's going to go up to, I think, 99 And um, there are already many girls that have become members. And uh, the administration will talk about the Shabbaton. Just on the Shabbaton alone, you pretty much are going to save almost half the membership. All you girls go shopping in many of these places. It would be silly uh, just to go shopping for food and, and the 10% and 5% and all the different things that you get off. You're going to have your 75 back before within a month, and the membership is for a year. So you're helping us. We're helping you. We're helping each other. It also has a lot to do with Shidduchim. So um, and you get this beautiful card with a butterfly on it. Has your name? It's a hard card. It's like a credit card, um, and 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 you become a member in Arnava. And you're also going to get a newsletter. Whoever's a member will also get a newsletter with all the things that are going on, and also all the stores that we have a discount on. They're also going to do specials just for Arnava membership. So I would advise everyone to somehow put together the money on your way out, um, become a member. You can do online, do it in the mail, do it over the phone. And um, you'll be a card carrier of the Arnava, and I think that's very, very special. A member. That's cool. Right? It's very cool. Now, even cooler than that. Um, so on the darkest night of the year, by far the darkest night of the year for the world, and definitely the darkest night of the year for the Jewish nation, Arnava has decided to take that 24-hour period of the world and take all our Nava girls and all people who want to be part of it into a castle and in that castle to shine a light in that great darkness on that day. And therefore, we have decided that instead of doing the Shabbaton like we always do in February or March, this year... Hashem, the Arnava Shabbaton, and anyone who's ever been there knows how amazing it is. Lipa Schmelzer and other singers and speakers and 24 hours ask the rabbi, the rabbi band, um, lots and lots of food and lots and lots and lots of ruchnias. You don't want to miss it this year. We have decided to make the Shabbaton on December 25th. 24th. Actually, the 24th and 25th of this year, that holiday comes out on Friday night and Shabbos. So we are, not Shabbos, you are. So, so we are going to all get together and create a great light in New Jersey somewhere of Torah and mitzvot on that dark, dark night. It's not New Jersey somewhere. It's a really, really, really It's nice a very, hotel. very nice hotel in Jersey. And, and you're, you're all invited. And it's going to be the most amazing, amazing Shabbaton. And Mirza Hashem, after Shabbaton, I'll tell you a very crazy story about that, that date and, and this, this Shabbaton. But I can only tell you that after the Shabbaton, not before. So um, do not wait, because we are opening this Shabbaton to everybody. And it is a very big weekend. There is no school or work that weekend for anybody. So everybody has off. And um, it's time to make a Kiddush Hashem. We can't let the, we can't let the Tumah take over the world. So we picked that job. It's first time ever. So come come and join us. Uh, I wouldn't miss it. So candlelighting is four seventeen. Right, candlelighting that is four seventeen because they changed the clock. So Shabbos starts very early. Okay. Um,
Nancy? Nancy has a very bright shirt on this week. She must be really feeling good, Baruch Hashem. The peace sign's a little outdated. That's when I was, that's when I was growing up. But um, we have this chus that she's writing poetry every week. So I do not read it beforehand because I trust her. So I'm going to ask Nancy to open my shear with this week's poem. Last week was amazing. Last week was all about Hashem, right? Yes. Okay. All right, Nancy. Thank you. Robert. The floor is yours. These are two short poems. Two short. One now, the first one is not my usual style because it's about my granddaughter who was just born, and it's called Grace's Birth. The heaving of the earth, push, 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 oi, oi, oi. Life's cry. That doesn't rhyme. Hold on. Okay. Life's cry entering the world. It's Grace, my granddaughter, Torah on her lips, the unconditional love of Hashem in her eyes, child of innocence and peace. Welcome, sweetheart, to the true, tumultuous universe. Very nice. I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm sorry. Beautiful. Wow. This is, now this is in keeping with my usual poetry, and it's called Israel and Her Lover. He said he knew me then, in the spring, when I was green, green with love, leaping from the earth to the mount where Moses stood. And when dreams sprouted leaves of innocence in all directions, He said he knew me before the rains came, washing away the topsoil of my youth, before too many hands had tried to unearth my secret treasures or buried their murdered sons beneath my sacred olive trees. He said he loved me now as then, but as he knelt kissing me, I wept for what could have been. Amazing. Shlomo Amelach, Shira Shirin. The new writer of Shira Shirin. Very beautiful. Thank you, thank you. I don't know, how, how do I follow that? Okay. I don't know how to Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. See, that's how Shlomo Amelach spoke. That's how he wrote Shira Shirin. If you read Shira Shirin, his poetry was, was in the same style. I mean, your style's in the same style. He was a little bit before you. So, very, very beautiful. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so um, this week's Pasha's Chayisara. But before I get to Chayisara, I want to go back a little bit um, to Pasha's Vayera. So I gave a very tough share last night. Um, now I know if I say this, I'm going to get myself into trouble because then you're all going to listen. But you don't need to listen to the boys' share. It's sweet because it was very much a boys' share. Not, not, not for girls to listen to. No, of course, everyone's going to go listen to it. But, no, but ser- seriously, it's just, it's not. It's, it's, it's a boy's share. So respect when I'm asking. It's not for you to listen to. But, everything that was said in the boy's share really um, has the same meaning um, to girls, just in a different way. So, in the Yalkut Shimoni, on Pashas Vayera, if you want to look it up, Ais Vav, he says the following. Ad Shaloi Nemo. Before Avram Avinu had a bris milah, we know that Avram Avinu had a bris milah, Pashas Vayera, last week, 
So three days into the after the bris he wasn't feeling well. Kishbochu came to visit him. At Shalai Nimo, before Avraham Avinu had a bris milah, every time Hashem showed up to speak to Avraham Avinu, if you look in the, in the Torah, you will see that he fell on his face. Avraham Avinu, right, he would fall on his face, and that's how he would talk to Hashem. After he would fall on his face, he would be able to talk to Hashem, because he was embarrassed that he didn't have a bris milah. So he was covering by laying on the floor. When he talked to Hashem, he was covering his embarrassment. Says the Yalkachimoni. The Akshav Shinimal. But now after he had his bris milah, who Yoshev? Avamavinu was sitting. And Akadish Baruchu Vani I made. And Akadish Baruchu was standing. Now, the Yavit Shimoni says that this is Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lamalachim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the angels, Nered, Univakir Tachola, come down with me. I want you to see the person who is sick, which is the Ram Avinu. And I want you to see the difference between a person who's moral, and he has his morals correct, and a person who's immoral. The, the representation in Kabbalah and in Yalkut and in Medrash of Brismila, the representation is a person who's on a high moral level. Because a woman doesn't have a din of a Brismila. So, so what does that mean? So she's not holy or she's not unholy? So I'm not going to get into this. Um, it's not subject matter for this crowd. But um, there, there's a Zayar. And the Zayar says that well actually the Yalkut brings this, this down and the Yalkut says that uh, it's also brought down in the Zayar that it says Aram Avinu was sitting Pesach Ohel at the door of the tent who cares if he's sitting at the door he's sitting in the tent he's sitting out of the tent what tent so it's brought down Omar Rabbi Levi Rabbi Levi says La'asid lavo, in the future, Avraham Yoshev al Pesach Gehenim. Avraham Avinu, where does he sit in the next world? Yaakov sits by the Kisei Kavod girls. By the Kisei Kavod by Hashem. Yitzchak sits by the Kisei Kavod in Gan Eden or in Aden. Avraham Avinu sits at the gate to hell. That's where you put Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu should also be sitting by the Kisei Akavoy, by the throne of Hashem. Why do you put him at the gate of Gehenna? Such a terrible place. So I'm not going to read the whole Yaakot Shemoni. But what he does say is, Ve'eno meniach adam mahol miyisrael liyeireid b'saycha. He sits at the gate of Gehenna. And he doesn't let a Jewish person, a Jewish man who has a bris milah, he doesn't let him be put into Gehenna. That's what it says. So there are many questions on this Yalka Shimoni and on this Zohar. Question number one. What are you talking about? A kid, a boy, he has a bris milah when he's eight days old. He has no choice. He can't say no. 
The moil ties him to a board. The sandik holds his feet apart. The kid can't move, right? And, and the, and the moil does a bris on him. He, he can't say no. He doesn't have a choice. So you're telling me that this kid, because he had a bris milah, the rest of his life, he sins. And Abraham Avinu says, oh, no, he has a bris milah. No, no, we're not, we're not going to let him into Gehenna. How could that be? Question number one. Question number two. So what does he do for girls? Girls come and they let, he, he says, well, you know, there's no, there's no bris milah by a girl, so they all, he throws him, into, he lets him go into Gehenna. He doesn't, he doesn't protect the girls. So, what does he do with the girls? They don't have a din of bris milah. Question number two. Question number three. How does he know if that soul had a bris milah? The body of the person is laying in the ground. <coughs> Your body doesn't go up to Shemayim. So how does Avraham Avinu know if the body is circumcised? It's in the ground. Question number four. We know that non-Jewish people also are circumcised. The, the, the Yishmaelim, the Arabs, the Muslims are circumcised when they're 13. So, so they also don't go to Gehenna because they have a bris milah. What's going on over here? So I'd like to answer the girl part. The girl question. What about a girl? So the Zoyar says, and the Yalkut Shimoni says, but I don't want to get graphic, so I'm not going to, that we're not talking about a physical bris Because the physical bris only a boy has, not a girl. And a physical bris goyim have. And a physical bris doesn't come to Shemayim. So he says the following. When a girl or a boy commit an immoral act, they're not Shemunigiyah, or a woman's not keeping Taras HaMeshbacha, or a man's not keeping Taras HaMeshbacha, or, and don't, please don't get angry at me for this, but I, Rabbi Wallstein has to say what's on his head, and I know this turns, a lot of women get very upset when you talk, when a man, specifically a man, or even when women, talk about Sneas. It's like, you know, I once said at one of my shiurim that a woman's Torah it's Tznius. Wow! Did I get emails? We learn Torah too. We go to school too. What's this business? All you men, right away, our Torah like we're a bunch of idiots. And if we wear a long skirt, that, that's our Torah. Sorry. That's what Chazal says. A woman's Tznius, that's a Torah. You can know Gemara Baal ladies. You can know Chumash. You can know Navi with Radak. You can be a hundred in all your studies. And if you don't get dressed sneers, you failed. If I don't tell you the truth, then one day you're going to come after me in the next world and say, you, you, you were the rabbi of Ornava and you never said anything about this. You talked about Kibbut of the Aim and you talked about finding Hashem in flowers. Yeah, I can get away with that because that doesn't really bother anyone in the room. Sure, I could talk about that all night. You all love when I talk about that. Hashem, butterflies. But when I start talking about sneers, everybody gets uptight and upset and nervous. And I don't really like him anymore. And I don't really care if you like me. That's the truth. My job is to tell you the truth. And therefore, and therefore, Says the Zayar, 
that on a person's soul, when you look at pictures that you're not supposed to, when there's a kavayasha, when a woman gets dressed not the way she's supposed to, and because of that she attracts men to look at her, because she, if she's dressed the way she's supposed to, the sugar and the men are whistling at her anyway, because we're a bunch of animals, right? So it doesn't matter really. So that's not her fault. That's not her fault. You got this, the guy's a sicko, so the, 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 the guy sitting on the street is whistling at her, that's not your fault. But if you get dressed provocatively, and you cause a boy to look at you, and you cause that boy to do an Avera, so there's an Arla, there's something that grows on your soul. There's something that grows on your soul called an Arla Ruchnius. It's not an extra piece physical, it's an extra piece spiritual. In the next world, you walk around, your soul is carrying this piece of Arla. Says Avram Avinu, that a person who comes to the next world with that Arla, because she wasn't dressed theistic, because she wasn't Shemenegiyah, because she didn't keep Taras and Mishpacha, because she caused boys to look at her and cause sins, I will not stop her from falling into hell. I can't help her. But, if she does tshuva, so the Zoya says that tshuva is the knife that cuts this arla, this extra, whatever this is, on the soul, it cuts it off. Like a brismila. Tshuva is the brismila of the soul. And therefore, even a person who caused immorality and looked at stuff on the internet or movies and DVDs that she has in her house and magazines and all this other stuff that she's not supposed to be looking at. But if she just tshuva, then when she comes to Shemayim after 120 years, Avraham Avinu looks at her soul and says, this soul had a brismila. This soul had a brismila. And therefore, whether it's a boy or a girl, it doesn't make a difference. Whether it's a boy or a girl, he stops them from going into Gehenna. Amazing. So don't ever think, don't let the Yetzirah tell you, well, listen, <laughs> while she said, you didn't have error, you know, you're done. Chas v'shalom. Every single person has in their spiritual hands the ability to do a bris milah like Avram Avinu on themselves through tshuva but we see that the bris milah that Avram Avinu did on himself he was scared and it was hard for him to do and he was shaking and we read the Rashi last week that Avram Avinu that Akash Baruch Hu sent down his hand and together with Avram Avinu did the bris milah the same thing with us. We have the ability to do tshuva, but it's very hard to do tshuva. It's very hard. The, the biggest, the biggest challenge, and I have asked many times in my classes of, that I teach girls this question: What is your biggest challenge in Judaism? Sneis was number one. Shabbos. Kashris, way, way below in the small percentages. The high percentages was a girl's sneers. Now, why do you think that is? Because if that's her Torah, 
if that's her Torah, so that's the thing that the Yitzhahara is going to give her the hardest time to do. The guy, his Torah, he wants to go learn, he has a million things on his head. Yitzhahara doesn't bother, you know, about kashrits that much. But it's very hard to go sit and learn. It's hard. Guys, we, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle. You know, you start dreaming, you start picking your teeth, you got to go out and get a smoke, you got to go out and get a drink. It's hard to sit and learn because learning for a boy, this is what he's here. That's his tough kid. So Tzniyus, you know, and where do I have a right? You know, I'll get, I'll get the like, yeah, sure, right, Walton, big deal. You can go play basketball with a cut-off t-shirt and shorts, right? And you can play, you know, and, and you don't have a dinner of Tzniyus. And we, we have to have the, it has to be three inches below our knee, eight inches below our knee, whatever, whatever it has to be, right? And I have to dress like this. And, 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 and nobody tells a, a, a man how he has to get dressed. You know, white shirt, colored shirt, that's silly. That's silly. That's not our tafkid. That's not our test. That's not our Torah. Our Torah is other things, and we have other struggles. Men definitely have a lot of struggles that women don't have, and women have struggles that men don't have. And the struggle that a woman has, the biggest struggle is sinus. And the reason, one of the reasons that it is, is because women feel, I'm telling you what you feel, that sounds silly, right? Like, okay, yeah, what do you know, right? Has a lot to do with your image. The way a woman looks is her image. Guys, it's not our image. Our car is our image. Our house is our image. Our outside jump shot is our image. How much money we're making is our image. Most guys, the way we get dressed, you know, if our pants are short or our pants are long or our pants are loose or our pants are tight, eh. Not, not normal people, not normal guys. Those are the guys on the Manhattan somewhere in the village. <laughs> but not the normal people. So, so our, our, it's not, our, it's not our image. A woman's image is how she gets dressed. And therefore, the Yetzirah tells her, listen, if this is who you are, and you're going to walk into a room, and all the guys are going to look at the girl who's not dressed sneer, so you're going to get lost. But that's not what it's about. It's not about what the guys are going to look at in the room. You're the daughters of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I know you hate that. You know, I'm a princess. You are a princess. Hashem looks at you very, very different than He looks at His boys. There's nothing to talk about. You, 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 you are in Hashem's heart. You're in God's heart in a different place than I am. Just like a daughter is in a man, a father's heart in a different place than his sons. It's just a different, it's a different relationship. And, and that's why you're a Sani Kirtsono. And, and it hurts him. It hurts a father when his daughter walks out and dresses so that all the guys should be looking at her and whistling at her down. The, that's not what I want my daughter to do when she walks down the street it hurts me she's precious what is she what is this it's not she's not for sale it's, 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 it's an amazing thing that you have that we don't have it's, it's, it's taking something precious and, and covering it up if you have a diamond you don't leave it for the cleaning lady on, 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 on your dresser in your room you take it and you put it in a felt thing and then into a box and then into a safe, and the safe is behind. I won't tell you what my safe is, but the safe is behind a picture in the attic that looks like it's worthless. You don't leave it laying around. The stuff you leave laying around, that's the fake, that's the, the chronium, that's the fake jewelry. So, so Akash Baruch Hu tells his daughters, you're precious, cover up. And if you didn't cover up, so the Yalkut Shimoni says, but you can do tshuva, and it's going to be hard, and your hands are going to be shaking. And it's the, definitely by far the hardest thing to change. There's nothing to all the girls I've ever worked with in my life. Number one, 90%, number one, the biggest struggle is, 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 is how I look. 
It's And that screams at you. Everyone wants to know, why am I here? Right? People are like it to reincarnation. Gilgal, right? We love to go to Mukubal and read my palm. What was I last time I was here? What am I going to be next time I'm here? And Rabbi Gamil always says, try to figure out what you're doing this time while you're here. Forget about what you're doing last time while you're here. Everyone wants to know why you're here and what you're doing here and all this, and all this other stuff. And the answer the Zayar says, if you want to know why you're here, whatever your biggest struggle is, that's what you messed up last time. If you want to steal, last time you stole. If you want to get dressed improperly, last time you got dressed very improperly. So the Yaakov Shimoni says here, that just like a boy, when he comes to the next world, if he doesn't have a bris milah, he ends up being thrown. Doesn't mean a physical bris milah. Therefore, what the Arabs have is meaningless. What the body has in the grave is meaningless. In the next world, your soul. It's what happens to your soul. This world is 70 years and 80 years maybe. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a long time. So it's a very beautiful word that Avraham Avinu, he sits by the gates of Gehenna and he pulls out his daughter. You know, it says that Rav Nachman Rebreslov, if you go to visit his grave, right? So if you, if, if, the saying is, if you go visit his grave, so he pulls you out of Gehenna by your payas. You have to have payas. But if you, but if you go, he pulls you, you know, I'm hoping, uh, he'll pull me out by my chip, you know, by my, well, over here, he'll pull me out over here, whatever. But that's what it says. It says that he'll pull you out from you, he'll pull you out of Gehenna by your payas. Aramavino says, I'll do better. I'm not gonna let you go into Gehenna. Not I'm gonna pull you out of Gehenna. I'm not gonna let you go into Gehenna. But I have to see that you're a moral person. That you lived your life bitsneus. This really wasn't my subject matter at all tonight. Totally not. I'm serious. Totally not. But I guess, for some reason, that's what Hashem wants me to talk about. I want to tell you a story. I have no idea why I'm saying this. I'm being honest with you. But I want to tell you a story that I said, it's on the first year that I gave on Torah any time, um, that I gave a shit to a bunch of girls who were having a big, a big struggle with sneers. Yes, I could get up here and say, that's the halacha, and then you could tell me, show me in the Torah where it says the length of your skirt. Show me in the Shulchan Aruch where it says the length of your skirt. And I'm not going to be able to show you in the Torah where it says the length of your skirt. Because it doesn't say the length of the skirt. It just says that Avraham Avinu didn't even know what Sarimena looked like. Until she went, she bent down to get some water, he saw her reflection in the water. So I guess her skirt and her sleeves were pretty long. It doesn't say exactly. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to come from that point. Oh, it's near Shia. They hate it. Oh, they hate it. I know you hate it. Sorry, I, I, I ask your forgiveness. I know you don't like this. So, I was invited in Sacramento, California. I did a lot of business with, um, with Tower Records. They're not in business anymore. And I used to go down there, and it happened to be the owner was Russ Solomon, was a Jew, but, but they were mostly the guy that worked for them, and they always wanted to take me out when I was there, take me out at night, let's go somewhere. But I wouldn't go to a bar, and I, it was trafe. I wouldn't go out to eat with them. So I always backed out. You know, I told them I eat kosher and I don't go to bars. And so I always was able to back out. One time I came down, Sacramento is a little bit of a cowboy town. So they were very excited that they bought me tickets to a, um, I don't know what they call it exactly in the cowboy terms, but it's, it's where they sell cattle. 
and they sell beef, they sell steers, and um, it's an auction. Now the way it works is the bigger the steer, you know, we think cows. You never saw a steer where you get a steak from. It's like it's bigger than me. It's taller than me. They're huge, 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 huge. So the bulls, the male steers, so the, the bigger they are, so the bigger their children are, and the more meat that's on them. So they have these auctions where they auction off these, these steers to breed. And the farmers come, and they bid for the biggest steer, so they could breed it with their other steers, and they could have steers that give off a lot of meat. That's how they make their money. I'm like, I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. I'm like, you know, what is this? Okay, so they bought me a cowboy hat. And steers is a is a like a, a male a bull. It's it's not a cow like you go to the farm and th- that they milk. These things are huge, huge. So with horns, oh yeah. So no problem. So I, I get this cowboy hat right, and I'm like I'm going to like a roundup, you know. So I walk into this huge barn, stinks. Right? With all these cowboys, it stinks from the manure and the horses. And, oh, my God. And the steers. and Right? But, hey, you know, I'm like, this is very cool. You know, they're all sitting there drinking beer, whatever it is. Anyway, I, I, I never understood why Hashem made me go through this. Like, what am I, what do I need to see this for? Right? But I understood when I gave that shit to the girls. So, they take this steer and they put it in the middle of the room. Huge room. Cowboys, they're all around the room. Each guy has a paddle. So, it's an auction. So, the guy walks over to this big steer, you know, and I'm sitting there, and he has a measuring, a tape. And they understand, I don't understand, right? And he measures the thigh. Thigh, 45 inches, around the thigh. That's thigh, right thigh, 45 inches, $10, $20, $50. Everyone stops. Goes to the middle of the, of the steer. Around the middle of the midriff, they call it the midriff, middle of the steer. They measure every part of this animal's body. Right? Everything. They're writing notes. Every single part of the body. From the hoof to the top, from the lip to the butt, 28 inches, 35 inches. And they they understand. They understand. I don't understand what's going on over there. I'm like, chef the thing, let's have steak. Like, what are you wasting my time on? You know? Okay. (laughs) Then, then, it's funny, right? It wasn't wasn't funny for the steer. Then, this big fat animal has this crazy neck. So, I don't, they can tell by the neck how much fat is in the meat of the animal. Well, I don't understand exactly how it works. Anyway, they take the neck and they pull it down. Like, stretch it, right? And then they measure it. Check out that neck! Check out that neck! 32 inches! Top of the head to the bottom of the neck! Right? And he's measuring and they're writing, they're writing, everybody's writing. Okay, now what do I hear for this animal? Look, the poor animal's sitting there, right? I'm looking at it, and I think I... uh, This is weird, okay? But I think I see in its eyes that it's crying. It's my look, whatever it is, Reverend Wallstein's Kabbalistic look, right? I like, this poor thing, right? So now they start bidding, $200, $400, and the guy's like, no, $400 won't do it! Look at the neck, look at the fat! And everyone's like, anyway, I don't know what they sold at $8,000. I don't know exactly what they sold it for, Right? And they put the rope around the thing, and they, and they pull it out, and they bring the next steer in, a little bit smaller. And this is going on, and these guys are drinking, they're partying. It's one big party. And they're buying, they're buying whatever. Fine. 
So I left that night, whatever it is, did my business, came back to New York. I said to myself, whose Gilgal was in that cow? What neshama was in that steer? What neshama did Hashem put in that steer that all these men were sitting around while they measured every part of that animal's body? And I knew exactly what neshama was in that steer. Neshama of someone who used their body and walked around and men looked at it and said, look at that part, look at that part, look what she looks, look how attractive, check that out, check this out, check that out. That's what you want to be in this lifetime? Then you're going to come back, and they'll all check you out. They're going to check you out to become a steak in their freezer. What goes around, comes around. Yes, that steer was crying. Ladies, Sneas is your beauty. It's, it's what you have in this world. You are the princesses of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Tell the Yetzirah that you're just not a piece of meat for other people to look at. It's not who you are. You're HaKadosh Baruch Hu's daughter. You're your husband's wife. You're your father's daughter. You're your mother's daughter. You're your brother and sister's sister. You're a special person. You're not just a piece of meat. How is anyone going to ever get to know you if you drift provocatively? Then the person who's buying that, what they see, he's not attracted by your emotions and what you care about and what's important in your life. He's attracted by what you're selling. And then you don't understand why four years later he's having an affair with a secretary. What you were selling, somebody else has better now. So people don't understand. I don't understand. What kind of what kind of guy is this? What do you mean what kind of guy? You weren't showing the gear, you weren't dressed sneers. So that's what you were selling. And that's what you got. You got a customer. But now the customer found someone in his office that's a better steer than you. And the tape measure says better numbers than yours. Have a nice day. So if you think that the Chachamim and Chazal have this thing about Sneas and Shemini and Taras HaMeshpacha. If you think they did it because they don't care about you, they want to control you, it's just the opposite. They want the person who marries you to know who you are. Not that you're a steer in Sacramento. That you're a person who has feelings, who has Kedusha. So a person who's a tznua, and she dressed sneistic, and she's shimmering a gear, and she's not provocative, and a boy is willing to say, Hari at mikudeshes, you are holy to me. He's willing to say that and to commit to you, then you know that he really loves you. He doesn't love that you're a female, he loves who you are. And that's why the Chachamim and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, once you're not Shemini Gia, you're all mixed up. You don't know what you really like. Maybe it's just boy-girl. Maybe it's hormones. You don't know anymore. You marry the wrong guy. But a person who's a Tznua, so he gets to know who you are. You're hurting yourself. You're killing yourself. So Kishbaru tells his daughters, be a Tznua, be Shemini Gia. 
keep tarot to mishpacha. You're not someone's animal. You're someone's princess. You're someone's queen. But if that's not how you act, then you're not going to get a prince or a king. You're going to get a peasant who's going to abuse you and then lose you. And who's to blame in the end? Not always. Of course not. There are women who are tsnuas, tzadikistas, and they still get divorced. I'm not giving you every case is the same. It's not always the same. But the percentages are way different. Way, way different. This parsha, this week, it's chaye Sarah. Sarah Imenu. She was such a tsnua that her own husband didn't look at her that way. Until he saw her reflection in the water, he never looked at her that way. Oh, I guess they the, So they probably didn't love each other. If you learn the medrash of Avram Avinu and Sarimenu, you won't see any couple in the Torah that was so interactive as Avram Avinu and Sarimenu. Everything which we're, we're, I'm going to read to you soon, everything he did, he, he, the two of them talked about. In fact, even throwing Yishmol out, Sarah said, throw him out. Avram said, I don't think so. Sarah said, no problem, go ask Hashem. And Hashem said, listen to your wife. Sarimenu, this is her posture. Everyone's in Hebron. Everybody's in Hebron this Shabbat in Eretz Yisrael. Tens of thousands of people are in Hebron. This is the life of Sarah. When she was 100, she was like 20. When she was, she was just more beautiful than anyone you know. And she was still a Tznua. And because she was a Tznua, we're going to have Mashiach. Do you know that? If she wouldn't have been a Tznua, there would be no Mashiach. What am I talking about? So, in Pashas Vayera, there were three Malachim sent to do four jobs. We know that a Malach can only do one job. So the Chazal asked the question, one Malach came to tell Sarah she's going to have a child. One Malach came to heal Avraham. One Malach came to destroy Sodom. Three. But there was another job, and that was to save Lot. And the Malach that healed Avram, Rafal, also saved Lot. So one of the answers is that saving and healing, it's the same thing. But Lamaise, even if it's the same thing, a Malach can only do one shlichus. So how could it be that Hashem sent one Malach to do two shlichus? Listen to this. When the Malachim came to the to Avram Avinu, they asked him a question. Aye, Sarah Ishtecha. Where is Sarah, your wife? First of all, it's none of your business. You come to my house and give you a pizza for lunch, or whatever, and give you for lunch. What do you ask me where my wife is? What are you trying to start trouble with my wife? Right? Says Rashi, they were trying to compliment her. Because they knew where she was. And, and what did he answer, Ramavinu? He named Ohel. She is, doesn't belong here serving the men. She's making the food. She's in the kitchen. Uh-huh. All the women, uh, lib, libs, like, oh, you mean we should all be in the kitchen? We shouldn't be, you know, uh, we shouldn't be doing jobs. We shouldn't go to college. Oh, Rabbi Wallerstein, you're antiquated. You're back with all the old rabbis. Oh, he did, but oh hell, she was in the kitchen. Maybe she was a therapist in oh hell. Ah. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't in the kitchen. Maybe the Torah is telling you she had a job. She was a therapist in oh hell. No, that's a joke. 
Don't write that down. You know what Rabbi Wallstein told us tonight? It's a, it's a medrash that she was in the, she was a therapist in Ohel. Shine, that's it. It's going to end the end of my share. Behinebe Ohel. When he said, when Avram Avinu said that Sari Imenu is in the tent in the Ohel, he passed in the halacha. He passed in the halacha that a woman, when there are guests and there are men, should not be serving the men. It's going to cause the men to look at her, or her to look at them. It's not good. So she should cook, and, and then Yishmael and, and Abram should, should, should be the waiters, but she should not mingle. The woman of the house should not mingle with the men guests. He passed in that lahalacha. When he passed in that lahalacha, listen to what happened in Shemayim, everybody. What happened in Shemayim was like this. Where did David HaMelech come from? Where did Mashiach come from? Rus. Where does Rus come from? Lot. Lot had a, had a child with his daughter. Oh, I heard something amazing. I have to tell you this. So it, it says he had a, she had, last week's Pasha, so she had a child, right? The, the daughter was with her father, and she had a child. She got pregnant because the, do- the two daughters of Lot thought that the world was destroyed and there's not going to be any white people. So they got their father drunk, and they both got pregnant from their father. So it's incest, right? It's incest. But, Ramesha Feinstein, it's, it's the last... In his last sefer that he wrote, it's in the back of his sefer. The Moshe Feinstein wrote this. Listen to this. So it's incest. It's a terrible thing. But we know that it was really chesed. Because they thought that the whole world was destroyed. And all that was left in the human race was a man, their father, and two girls. So that's it. They're going to die. They're not going to be with their father. They're going to die. Their father's going to die. And the world's going to be over. So to keep the world going, to keep the world going, to save the world, they got their father drunk and they got pregnant from their father. There was a man in Ramosha Feinstein's town. Ramosha Feinstein writes this in the Sefer. There was a man in Ramosha Feinstein's town. They used to always bother Ramosha when they read this parsha. I don't understand, he would say, how could the Torah write a story of incest? Of a father and his daughters. Like you reacted. Ugh. Right? Ugh. Disgusting. How could the Torah write such a story? If it happened, what are you writing? It's disgusting. These two girls were disgusting. They got their father drunk and then they went there with their... With their ugh. Amisha said, don't judge anybody, right? Don't judge anyone until you're there in their place. And any, any girl here, whoever took physics, knows that no two places, no two objects can be in the same place, can occupy the same space. That's what's written in physics. So therefore, how could you tell me I shouldn't judge someone until I'm in their place? That means you should never judge someone because you can never be in someone else's place. So this man, one day, became very sick and his tongue swelled up so much that it was choking him and he asked the doctor to ask Ramesha Feinstein to come to his bed so Ramesha Feinstein came to this man's bed and he writes it in a safer and the man said to Ramesha Feinstein he could hardly talk because his tongue was choking him he said that I just want you to know that I'm dying and the two daughters of Lot Two women who are totally covered came to me in a dream and said to me, you're the one who made fun of us. And the main thing that he made fun of was amazing. The main thing he made fun of is what did she name her son that she got pregnant from her father? Moav. Me'avi. So she named her son, you are the child that I got pregnant from my father. That's a pretty disgusting thing to do with sin, right? 
to name the child that wherever he walks, aha, your grandfather with your father. That's cool. <laughs> right? His grandfather with his father. That's very cool. And your mother is your grandmother and your mother because she was married to your grandfather. And it gets very crazy. Right? That The whole thing gets very crazy. So, he had a big taina. How could you name a child like that? It's disgusting. To name Me'avi from my, from my father. So you know what, you know what she told him in the dream? She, and he told this to Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha wrote this. She said, you're judging me that I called him. You know why I called him Moav? Because they're going to create a religion. And the religion is going to be based on a woman who supposedly got pregnant from a celestial being. I don't want anyone to ever think that this child didn't come from my father, but that I went to sleep, right, and some celestial being came and got me pregnant. Because we were in a cave, and that we thought the world was, was being destroyed. So I wanted everyone to know, from all the generations, don't try to make your mother into the Mary, right? Everyone knows the word, that... Nothing ever happened, and you started a whole religion. I don't want that to happen. So all my children will always know, May Avi. What is it called? The um, Immaculate Conception, right? That it just happened. I don't want anyone to think that, she said. So therefore, I'm naming my son May Avi. I got pregnant from my father. Don't come up with no religion that I just got pregnant from some, some celestial being came down and made me pregnant. So she did it with Shem Shemayim. So she told us to, he told us to Moshe Feinstein, that's why this woman came to him in a dream and said, that's why I named him Moav, Moavi. And then Moshe said he turned his face to the wall and he died. Yeah. He writes it in the Sefer. Be careful how you judge someone else. So now, Moav is a nation that didn't help the Jews. When we went by, we were hungry and we were thirsty, we went by, we asked them for food and water. And they said no. And Hashem said, a nation that doesn't do chesed, I don't want mixed into the genetics of my nation. And therefore, Moavi, you're not allowed to marry a person from Moab. No one, a Jew is not allowed to marry a person from Moab because they don't have chesed. Therefore, since Rus came from Moab, we wouldn't be able to marry Rus. What happened? Because Sarimena was a Tznua, Avraham Avinu Paskin, that a woman is not supposed to go out and feed men. But she's supposed to cook, but she's not supposed to bring it out. And therefore, when Avraham Avinu Paskin that, what we Paskin Lahalach in this world, they have to Paskin they have to make laws that we make here, they have to make laws there. So Hashem said, we have a new law, and the new law is that a woman is not supposed to serve men. If that's the case, then when the, the, tri- the nation of Moab didn't come out and feed the Jews, the, woman, the women didn't do anything wrong. Because they're not supposed to come out. And therefore, the halacha was, we are allowed to marry a woman from Moab, but we can't marry a man from Moab. What was that whole law based on? That law was based on that Sari Imenu, who was a Tznua, didn't come out to serve the men. Had she come out to serve the men, we wouldn't have had that law. Had we not had that law, Rus would not have been able to marry Boaz. If Rus would not have been able to marry Boaz, there would be no Davon HaMelech, there would be no Davon HaMelech, there would be no Mashiach. So the whole being of Moshiach and the Malchus of David, David Melech Yisrael Chai V'Kayam, is based on a woman's Tzniyos. Who's Tzniyos? Chaye Sarah. You hear? So it says that the women are going to bring Mashiach, not by knowing the Radak. 
That's not how they're going to bring Mashiach. By being Tznius, by being a Tznuah. If she wouldn't have been a Tznuah, then there would have been no Moavim, there would have been no Dabar Melech, there would have been no Mashiach, there would have been no Malchus David, forget about it. Chayi Sarah. The life of Sarah. Sarah Imenu, she brought life to the whole Klai Yisrael. We know that Esther Hamalka, right, that she she reigned over 127 countries was because Sarah Imenu was perfect for 127 years. Now, look at Esther Hamalka. Esther Hamalka had the same chain. All the girls were in oil and perfume for three months, for six months, for nine months. I can't imagine how they got dressed before they went in front of the king, what they looked like. She went... She said, I don't need no oils, and I don't need no perfume, and I don't need no eye, wa- eye wax, and I don't need no pedicure, and I don't need no manicure, and I don't need no tweezering, and I don't, you know, it says it straight up. She told, hey guy, I don't need nothing. I don't, you don't got to color my hair. You don't got to put my hair in curls. I'm just going to walk in front of Akashverosh. Why, why would he pick you? He has all these beauties from all over the world, Chinese girls and African, beauties from all the world. It, it, it says that she was green. Her complexion was green. Right? And not from wearing one of those papaya masks, whatever you girls wear. I don't know what it is, whatever it is. Mango masks, I don't know what they are, whatever. Those monstrous lips. That's not why she was green. She had a green complexion. She wasn't beautiful. That's why she was called Hadassah. So, so uh, here's the king of the whole world. He has every girl in the whole world walking in front of him. And he has this snoo girl who put on no makeup and nothing. Right? Why would he pick her? Says the Pasuk. Not that she was looking cool. And that she was provocative. No. She had chen. You know when you have chen? You know when a woman has chen? When everything else is covered. When someone's provocative, you don't see her chen. You see her chen. Who's looking for chen? Just the opposite. When is a, what, what is special about a Jewish woman? Why, why do the Goyim always want Jewish women to marry them? Because a, a Jewish woman is something you don't see. Jewish woman has chen. It's called an inner beauty, not an outer beauty. Outer beauty, there are, there are models in other nations that are more beautiful than us. Inner beauty, nobody even comes close. Nobody even comes close. What was Avram Avinu? I always wonder when I was a kid, when I was learning this, I was like, you know, the Torah, like you like to make everyone, everyone in the Torah is the most beautiful, right? Everyone is, Rivka was beautiful, Story Meadow was beautiful, everybody's beautiful, the whole time, everyone, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was handsome. It's like the perfect Torah. Like everyone is a model. That's, that's, how, that's how you learn when you're a kid. Everybody's a model in the Torah. Right? That's, that's, your, that's your vision. Everybody's a model. Give me a break. What was Avram Avinu worried about Paro coming into Mitzrayim? Tell him you're my sister because I know for sure he's going to grab you. Paro had a harem. The whole reason Abraham Avinu was worried was because every beautiful woman that came to Mitzrayim, he took and put in her, it belonged to him, took him and put her in his harem. There are thousands of women. Abraham, it's very nice and very complimentary to tell your wife, listen, you know, you're 75 years old, you're so beautiful, Paro's going to see you, he's just going to grab you. She's like, oh, that's so nice. What a nice thing for a husband to say, Right? Right, let's, let's not, you know, let's not go into this, uh, you have a wife, she's 75 years old, and you're about to go into this dinner, and you're like, I don't think you should go here. And she's like, why? Because you're so beautiful, all the guys are going to hit on you. She's 75 years old, right? She's like, oh, Herbie, that's so nice, right? You know? <laughs> it's like, such a nice thing for you to say. That's not what's going on here. He wasn't looking, that's not what was going on here. So like, Paro 
is going to pick this woman who's covered from head to toe in a black veil in her 70s? He's got 15, 16, 19 year olds. He's got a harem from... Come on. So if you look at Chazal, they said when, when they see your eyes, when his collectors, the guys at the border, will see your eyes and see your chain, in the whole Mitzrayim, there's no chain like this. And Avram Avinu knew that the minute they would see these Jewish eyes and the chain that Suri Menu had, when she'd have to take off her scarf, there's no way they're not going to take you. And of course, he was right on target. He, they, he grabbed, Avimelech grabbed, by Rivka, they, they, they grabbed her also. Were they were the most beautiful women in the world? No. The inner, the inner beauty of a Jewish woman. But if you're busy trying to show your outer beauty, so nobody gets to see your inner beauty. So that was that was Sarimenu. And then you don't understand, I don't understand. What's wrong with this guy? That's what you were selling. That's what he was buying. So what do you want from him? You're not going to attract a good, modest man who's emotional, who cares about how you feel, right, and cares about Yiddishkeit and Torah and, and the position of a woman in, in a Yiddish house, that she, that, like a Rapam and like the Gedolim, that she's, she's, she's the Shechina. She's the Shechina. How does a man talk about his wife that she's the Shechina? Because she's, her skirt's up? He's not going to call her the Shechina. That guy, who, where his wife is dressed in provocative, he ain't coming home and straightening out his tie. Oh my goodness, the Shechina's here. I have to be careful what I say and how I say it. So if that's what you're selling, then you're going to get a bunch of guys with paddles. 20, I'll give 40, I'll give 60. That's who you're going to attract. So the reason I'm talking about Sni is because this was Chaye Sora. This is her week. This is her week. And if she wasn't the Tznuah, there's no Mashiach. Okay. Two more short little subjects that I've been talking about it for a long time and a lot of people don't agree with me, but I love it when I find it in a safer. Now you can't argue with me about it. Listen to this. So, a lot of people say, well, first of all, there's a, um, there is an amazing, amazing, amazing story about, about bringing up children. About bringing up children here. He says the following. We know that in last week's parasha, the first kid at risk... Right, everybody wants me to talk about kids at risk. Talk about kids at risk. I don't need to talk about kids at risk because the Torah was doing therapy way before. What's that Meshuggah's name? Freud? Freud? Right? The Hema. Yeah, read his books. Anyway, the Torah says like this. So there was, Vatera um, Sarah, we're talking about Sarah, right? This is last week's Pasha. So Vatera Sarah is Ben Hagar Hamitris. So she saw that he was, he was doing Avaydizara. He was hunting down women. Right? Raya, listen to, listen to what he was doing. Raya, Yishmael, she saw Yishmael, Tzadis Nishay Anashim. He was hunting down the wives, married women, Uma'ana Aysam. And he attacked them. He physically, I don't want to use the word, but you understand, he forced them. Rabbi Yishmael says, not only that, but he did Avaydizara. He was off the derech. Then Rabbi Eleazar says, Shvichas Damin. 
He did. He murdered. Immorality. He raped people. He murdered people. He stole from people. He killed people. And he did Avayi Zara. Off to Derech all the way. Right? Okay. So she says to him, she says, sorry, Menu, says to Avram Avinu, that you got to throw him out of the house. Why? Because he's affecting his brother, Yitzchak. So, if you have one kid in the house, you never throw him out, no matter what. You never, ever throw him out. You have the door always open to them. But when, when, when somebody is affecting the rest of the family, then you have to make a decision not to throw him out on the street, but to get him out of the house and, and send him somewhere else because if he's having an effect on others, you don't have to sacrifice your other kids for that kid. If you have an only child, then you should never let him, but you don't have to sacrifice other kids for that kid. Okay. So, Avram Avinu, still, he loved Yishmael so much, he still didn't want to throw him out of the house. Here, he had a son that murdered, raped, killed, served the Zara. He didn't want to throw him out of the house. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. We're going to talk to him. We're going to be nice. Right? Abraham Avinu was the king of Kirov. Right? His own son. I, I, I'm going to work it out. Sarah said, not on, my, not on my son's back. You're not going to work it out. Out! Throw him out. Abraham said, ah, it's my child. Ah. So he went to Hashem. And he said to Hashem, what do I do? Keep your small or throw him out? Hashem said, listen to your wife, Sarah. She has more nevuah than you. So, he sent Yishmael with Hagar, the two of them. Hagar and Yishmael, the mother of Yishmael, sent them into the desert, threw him out. Now that should have been the end of the story. The guy was doing every Avera. He was a very bad person. He sent them out into the desert. I want to read you a Yalkut Shimoni. I've never, I never learned Yalkut Shimoni with you. You have to hear what Avram Avinu did. Listen carefully. Yishmol went ahead. So he was 17. He was 13 when he started going off to Derech. He was 17 when they threw him out of the house. So he went ahead and he married when he left. Right, They threw him into the desert. He married a woman from Moab. Right? Okay. Her name, which you'll never see in any quiz, was Aisha. Yaakov Shimon, it's a good question to ask because nobody will get it at your Shabbos table. The first wife of Yishmol, her name was Aisha. Okay. La'acha, I wanted to read you from inside. La'acha, shalashanem. So he was now 20 years old. Yishmol was in the desert, married for three years. And after three years, Avram Avinu said, it's true he's a bad boy. It's true he did all this. I, I got to go see him. Never give up on your kids. Never. Even on Yishmol, he did the three cardinal sins. Never give up on your children. So Halach Avram Leroy says Yishmael. Avram decided I'm going to take a trip into the desert and see how my boy is doing. Sarah didn't let him. Listen to this, amazing. V'nishbal is Sarah. Sarah made Avram Avinu swear to her. She'enu yoyred min hagamal b'vkam she'yishmael shroi yisham. You can go visit your son, but you don't get off the camel. You can talk to him from the camel, turn yourself around, and come back. I don't want you to get too involved here. You want to go visit him? You want to see how he's doing? Fine. You don't get off the camel. Avram Avinu swore to her, his wife, Avram Avinu. Okay? I'm not getting out of the car. I'll talk to him through the window. I'm not getting out of the car. That's what he swore to her. It just shows you the relationship here. That he trusted his wife, told him, I don't want you getting off the camel. He swore, he's not going to get off the camel. Okay? Took him half a day. He got to Yishmael's tent. And he met... 
the wife of Yishmael. Oh my Allah, Abraham Avinu said to her, Heichen hu Yishmael, with your husband, with Yishmael. Amrallah, she said to him, My husband and his mother, Hagar, went into the desert to get fruits and dates. Amrallah. So Avraham Avinu said to her, Tani, Tana li, Ma'at lechem u ma'at mayim. So Avraham Avinu said to this wife of Yishmael, Give me, I'm very hungry, I'm, I just came out of the desert, right? So he said to her, Give me some water, Give me some water and give me some bread. Amrallah, so she said, she said to him, Eli loy lechem, beloy mayim. Sorry, Avram, because she was probably very angry that Avram threw her husband out of his house. So she said, sorry, man, I don't got no water and I don't got no bread. Amrallah, Avram Avinu said to her, okay, kishiyavo yishmal, when yishmal comes back, Tell him that I asked you for food and water and that you told me that there's no food and water. And also tell him, Tell him that I said that the doorway of his house is not in good shape and he needs to change it. It's not good. Give him that message. Okay? And he left. So, Kishabai Yishmael, Yishmael showed up. He gave the way of Advarim. So he told, she told him, by the way, your father was here. He asked for bread and water. I told him, no way, huh? I got him back. He threw you out of the house, huh? Good. And he also told me, I should tell you that the doorway, there's something wrong. And you need to switch it. Ben Chacham, the child of a wise man, without himself doing anything, Kechatzi Chacham, is already a half a wise man. Because he grew up in his father's house. Behaving Yishmael, Yishmael understood when his father said change the door, that he meant change your wife. Right? He understood that. Peshilcha, he divorced her. Okay. What happens? Sholcha Imo, his mother Hagar goes ahead and she finds another wife for Yishmael, Upetima Shema. The name of this second wife was Petima. Three years later, Abraham Avinu says, you know what, last time I didn't get to see my son. So he tells Sari Menu, I love him, I miss him, I gotta go see what's going on. He swore to Sarah, He swore, I'm not gonna get off the camel. Okay? It took him a half a day, he got there. Yishmol wasn't home, but the second wife was there. Miyad immediately, she immediately, without Abraham Menu asking, Brought all kinds of food and all kinds of drinks, and she gave it to him. Avram got up and prayed to God for his son. This son that did the three cardinal sins. He got up and he prayed for him. A miracle happened, and the house of Yishmael filled up from all kinds of good things, and money, and brachos. Now comes the main part. And he left, he didn't see Yishmael. When Yishmael came back, the wife told him what happened. I gave your father to And your father gave blessings and the house is now full of money and full of food and it's just, it's just a different house. And Yishmael realized He realized at that point that getting thrown out of his house and everything that went on between his father and him 
was from Rachmanus. Was coming from the right place. Why now did he all of a sudden realize this? What does this teach parents? Number one, he realized his father threw him out, but then his father came to visit him. Which means that he only threw him out to help his brother. Why would he come to visit me? So he realized that his father never gave up on him. And he realized that the advice that his father gave, even after he's married, to get rid of that woman who wasn't doing chesed was for his good. And he realized that his father really wanted to give him brachas. And his father really wanted him to succeed. But once in a while, to have a child succeed, you've got to tell him where it's at. You've got to criticize him. Our generation is all, no, no, don't criticize the kids. That's the wrong psychology. Tell them, you have to show them respect, even when they're doing something wrong. We here we see, like we said about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that at the end of all six days, he said everything is good, even the stuff that didn't work out. That Yishmael realized, because his father never gave up on him. And, and, and you know, there's a saying like, you're not, this, this is the psychology of the world that we live in, that once you're married, once your children are married, God forbid a parent should tell a married child what to do. You're meddling. Don't meddle in my marriage. You're a meddler. And all the therapists are... What are you talking to your kids after they're married? You're meddling. You're abusive. You're controlling. They got some other names for it. Controlling parents. My father used to tell me, if you think after you get married that I'm not going to try to still tell you what to do, when I'm dead, I'm going to come back to you in a dream if you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> so Baruch Hashem, so far I think I'm doing the right thing because he hasn't come back to me yet. The parents' job is never over. Don't listen to these people. Parents in the room... Don't listen to these Mishugan who tell you that your job is over when your children get married. Just the opposite. Your job starts when your children get married. Because now your children are in a new complex world. They gotta make a living, and they gotta have a relationship, and they gotta have marriage, and they gotta have children. And it's much more complex than when they're growing up. So, no, I'm not telling you to meddle. You're never allowed to get between husband and wife. There's nothing wrong with giving advice to your children after they're married. Children need to know that after they're married, you still love them. You didn't just throw them out of the house. No, no. Kids get married because then they can tell their parents, you be quiet. I'm married. Oh, good. So that's it. So you can jump off the Empire State Building and I shouldn't say anything because you're married? Avram Avinu sent the message to Yishmael. Get rid of this woman. Hey, Avram, butt out. No. She doesn't do chesed. She doesn't belong in your house. Get her out. And in the end, this is not Robert Wallenstein. This is a Yalkut. In the end, what happened to the relationship with this boy that was thrown into the desert? Shad Akshav, I know now. Rachem of Elenu, Karachim of Almanov. My father always loved me. And my father always had pity on me. Because he didn't give up after I got married. Point number one. I know I'm getting messages from the back that's very late. Point number two. It's very fast. The next few psukim later on, it says, V'heichiach Avram is Abimelech, and Avram criticized Abimelech. So I want to read this to you. Quote, Kol Ahava. Any of the girls in this room will think your parents don't love you, because once in a while they tell you off, and they tell you what you're doing wrong. That's love. Telling you always that everything's okay, and what you're doing is right when it isn't, that's not love. That's easy. That's easy. Because then everybody loves you. You can be the perfect parent. I'm not going to ever tell my kid he did anything wrong. So, you know, us fathers, we do that. 
we're the good parent usually, and the mother is the one that gets it over the head. And the mother sits there Friday night. I kill myself. My kids aren't talking to me. This guy walks in. Hey, who wants tickets to the game? Right? Because the father's always the guy who's the good cop. Usually. We play the good cop. We let our wives play the bad cop. But it's the bad cop, the one who gives you criticism, is the one that really loves you. Because guess what? It's not popular to give criticism. Not popular with your kids to be the parent that tells them, change, it's not, it's not what you're wearing is not correct. Or what you said is not correct. Oh, I hate her. My father I love. He never says anything. Wrong. Says the Yaakov Shimoni, kol ahava, any love, she'en b'yitechacha, any love that doesn't come with criticism, eno ahava, is not love. Techacha, telling somebody, telling them what to do correctly, mevi'eli de shalom, actually brings to peace. Kol shalom she'en b'yitechacha, any peace that doesn't have any criticism, and everyone's like, everything's great, we love each other, eno shalom, won't end up being peace. First fight, everything collapses. Everything collapses. Because if, if peace is based on just pure, everything is great and everything is perfect, when everything is not great and everything is not perfect, it collapses. So I want to leave everyone with a bracha that has to do with this week's parsha. It says, a simon for all of us, that water that any Jew, when he approaches a well, and the well sees the Jewish neshama, miyad immediately the water comes up on its own. This week's parsha, Rifki Imenu, who was brilliant, she was brilliant. Besides doing chesed, she realized when Eliezer drank from the water that she wasn't she wasn't able to give it to any of the other people because it had germs. But she didn't want to pour it out in front of him because that's an insult saying, oh, you're diseased. So she knew what to do. After she gave him to drink, she ran to the camels. And she gave it to the camels so Eliezer wouldn't be insulted. So her chesed, which is, I don't have time tonight, but her chesed was done with chachma. We know that when, Mary, when, she came to the, when Rivka came to the water, the water came up on its own. We know later on, when Rachel Imenu came to the water and Yaakov Avinu came to the water, the water came up on its own. We know that when Moshe Rabbeinu came to the Midian, that the water came up on its own. It says the Yaakov that there's a bracha, ladies. There's a bracha that when a Jewish person goes to the well, the water comes out on its own. So the question is, who goes to the well? We don't go to the well. What does that mean? The Be'er Mayim represents Torah and mitzvahs. The Torah and mitzvahs are represented by a Be'er Mayim. So what Avram Avinu, the bracha that Avram Avinu was saying here, is that any Jew that approaches the Torah and wants to learn and wants to drink, right? Ain't Torah Elamayim. And wants to drink from the water of the Torah, it's not going to be a big struggle. The water is going to come up to you. You just got to go to the well. If you go to the well, the water will come up to you. That's the bracha that's given to all of us. In the schus of Sari Menu and her and her tsnua, which brought Rus and Boaz and Yishai and David and finally Mashiach, in the schus of all the nations and kanyas of this generation who take their tsnia seriously, as Rat Hashem will see Mashiach Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.